0: And Hello everybody and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode 376. We're coming at you as always from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. Hope everybody is keeping well out there, staying safe, wearing your mask. Wear your mask, people. This is not a joke. I've been doing the same as I've been doing the last several months and Sheltering at home, going out only when I need to, wearing my mask, and uh, getting outside a little bit every day. You know, playing some Pokemon Go, and basically just kind of hanging out. It, it's good, you know, keeping busy during the midst of all this. I'm getting a lot of work done on on family history and that kind of thing. So it, it is productive, if not productive, on the exact same things that I want to be doing, <laughs> which which involve traveling around. But, uh, yeah, you know, the, the people, wear your masks, okay? Because the longer this goes on, the stupider it gets, okay? Uh, yeah, I, I can't say that enough. Anyway, I uh, hope everybody is keeping safe out there, though, like I said. All right, so we do have an issue of Thor to cover, so let's go ahead and move along to our review.
1: Cross the Rainbow Bridge of where the food. Blue-
0: And this week we are looking at the mighty thor number 405 cover date is july of 1989 the cover price was 75 cents cover art is by ron friends inked by joe sinnet shows thor and he is in a hand-to-hand battle with Annihilus, whose identity was revealed last issue in the background we have balder sif and hogan the grim and it's a very dynamic, Kirby-ish cover. Um, yeah, it's kind of kind of a nice cover here. Not quite sure where Thor and company are standing because the Rainbow Bridge, of course, is no more. But they're standing on a rock floating off of the the main island of Asgard during all this. I don't think that the scene actually appears anywhere in the issue, but, you know, hey, that happens sometimes. Anyway, we have uh, the opening splash page where we have Annihilus screaming, Odin must die! And smashing Balder with a beam from his cosmic control rod. And uh, we see Baldur being pushed back, and Annihilus continues on, so that Annihilus may live. And it says, in a dank cavern deep beneath the city of Asgard, the noble heart of Balder the Brave is chilled by these horrifying words. The words, of course, were written by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends, who did pictures and plot. Joe Sinnott did the finished art. Michael Heisler was the letterer. The color was Mark Syrie. And Ralph Macchio was the editor. And as uh, Balder gets pushed back, he's thinking to himself, "'Thor and I journeyed down here to find the Butcher who was secretly slaughtering our people. "'In truth, we have found him, but he has already defeated the Thunder God by burying him beneath a mountain of debris.'" Yeah, that happened last issue. And uh, Annihilus says, "'I shall absorb Odin's life force, suck him of his immortal energies, just as I have done to your fellow Asgardians.'" "'No,' says Baldr, "'thou shalt not harm the Allfather while Baldr lives.'" ''So the rabbit has teeth,'' says Annihilus. ''But you cannot frighten me. No one can. ''Fear is the essence of my existence. It is the force which drives my every thought and deed.'' And Balder is rushing forward with a sword in hand, getting ready to try to hack at Annihilus. Annihilus puts his hand up and catches the sword. Apparently he is impervious to, uh, to the sword's blade. And he says, ''For I possess the cosmic control rod, the ultimate weapon in the universe.'' All who live are my enemies because they may one day desire my weapon, my power. And he grabs a hold of Balder's sword and electrocutes him basically by running some sort of energy through the sword back. And it goes bazak, knocks Balder down. And Balder is laying on the ground, smoking green steam coming up off his body. And Annihilus decides he's not worth uh, dealing with anymore. And he goes stalking off. Fear is the only lover I shall ever possess. Without her to propel me, Annihilus would surely cease to exist. And that must never be. And we shift scenes for a couple of panels back to Earth where the uh, mysterious domed villain who the mongoose is serving... Is scanning the tissue samples from Thor that he remember he shot him with that silly gun and it made his shoulder bleed a little bit yeah anyway so the tissue samples are they look like they're exploding a little energy bursts and with a Kirby crackle and he's saying uh, they're incredible mongoose the tissue samples that you managed to steal from the Thunder God have unlimited potential you must get more and mongoose is like no problem I know how to secure all the Asgardian cell samples you could ever need. And he goes off. And we go back to Balder, who is laying on the ground here in this cave. And um, he's dizzy, and he's coming back to consciousness, and he's thinking, Ah, I still live. nihilist disparages the strength of a true warrior born at his peril. But wait, I hear the sound of shifting rocks and quaking earth. Is it a cave-in? And it is not a cave-in, as Baldur speaks the obvious here. No, the rubble which covers Thor is exploding upward. The son of Odin has broken free. And Baldur is there, and he helps uh, Thor up out of this big hole uh, that he got buried in. Where is he, my friend, says Thor? What has become of Annihilus? He's gone, my lord, says Baldur. Gone to find thy noble sire and begin the utter extermination of the Asgardian people. But he shall fail, says Thor. So long as the hammer of Thor can strike in the cause of justice, and we shift scenes to Odin, and he's standing on a balcony wearing a very warm-looking coat. It's a, it is like a big fur coat, and he's got a big helmet of hair. Um, I think it's supposed to be a big, like a, a big hood with lots of fur around the edge, but it, it's blending into his beard, so it makes him look like kind of the male version of Granny Goodness with this uh, big poof of, of white fur slash hair coming up from around the hood. Anyway, uh, it says here, Meanwhile, completely unaware of the terrible danger which threatens himself and his people, Odin the Allfather silently gazes upward. Um. Okay, Odin is supposed to be kind of omniscient, so he shouldn't be unaware. But we yeah, I'm going to give him a pass on this because he is weakened at the moment. So anyway, and he's thinking to himself, Ever since the Rainbow Bridge was destroyed, Asgard has been drifting across the cosmos. According to the Grand Vizier, we have of late entered an area of the multiverse known as the Negative Zone. But alas, even though this may eventually jeopardize the security of our land, My thoughts keep returning to my errant son. Thor has oft chosen the safety of Midgard over that of his own homeworld. He has deliberately refused to accept his responsibilities as a prince of the realm. And and he's interrupted by um, a voice coming from behind.
1: Most noble liege, please excuse this untimely interruption.
0: And it, of course, is uh,
1: the Lady Sif most humbly and urgently requests an audience.
0: And Odin says... Thou mayest approach the presence, my lady. Thy courage and honour hath earned thee a special place in mine heart, but I fear that thou hast come on a fool's errand. Thou dost know me too well, sire. I have indeed come to plead for thy son. No more will I bear his disobedience, his insufferable defiance.
1: Forgive me for speaking plain, but thou didst raise Thor to be worthy of thy throne, to be a god among gods, and yet...
0: Thou dost balk at every sign of his independence. Methinks that thou, above all others, would want the thunder god to remain at Asgard. I do, but only if it is his choice to do so. My lord, thou art known throughout the heavens as a true champion of life and liberty. How canst thou demand such blind obedience from thine own son? And uh, they stop and are considering all that is happening here. And Odin is kind of holding uh, Sif's hand a little bit. And then the vizier comes bursting in. My lord! What is it, vizier? An intruder has breached the golden gates, and he calls for thee. And uh, we cut to Annihilus, and he is fighting a bunch of guards and just very easily knocking them aside. And he's going... Where is Odin? Bring forth the cowardly lord of this desperate land. Let him face Annihilus, the living death that walks. And then we shift scenes, and we are back on Earth in the home of Eric Masterson. And he is here with uh, Kevin, and he's also here with uh, somebody named Susan, who is, I guess, his assistant-slash-secretary. Though this is not a very professional kind of atmosphere because they're they're dressed casually and, yeah, and they're acting not like a secretary and her boss. Anyway, Eric is staring out the window and uh, Susan notices that he's doing this and she comes and she says, Is something wrong, Eric? You seem so distracted lately. I'm sorry, Susan. I am just thinking about Marcy, my ex-wife. Ever since she's remarried, she's been trying to gain custody of our son. I can't help wondering if Kevin would be better off with her and a real family instead of a father who spends most of his time traveling. And we see Kevin is uh, still dressed in his little Thor uh, helmet and hammer, and he's playing with action figures on the floor. We see Thor comics, and yeah, I mean, obviously Kevin is a huge, huge fan of Thor. And uh, Eric gets up, and Susan's just thinking to herself,
1: Oh, Eric, Kevin could have a real family. If only you'd see me as a woman instead of just an assistant.
0: God, this is, this is going back to the simpering of Jane Foster now, isn't it? I'd better run. I have an appointment with my lawyer. So Eric goes and he's putting his coat on and uh, grabs his cane. I, didn't, I, I guess I'd never really gathered on to he's lame before, but okay. Lame like, Blake, like Dr. Don Blake. And Kevin is like, where are you going, Dad?
1: Can I come?
0: Sorry, kiddo. No can do you stay with Ms. Austin, and I promise to be back soon. And just at that moment, the mongoose comes bounding in, breaking the window, big crash, glass everywhere. And he's like, I'm afraid that you will be unable to keep that promise, Mr. Masterson. And he's like, what the? It's that maniac who once attacked Thor. Susan, Kevin, run for the door while I try to hold him off. And Susan and Kevin are kind of bustling off, and uh, she's like...
1: "'Eric, don't!'
0: "'I'm so pleased that you recognized me, Mr. Masterson, "'but you really should have listened to the young lady,' and he grabs uh, Eric's cane away, and uh, he does like a judo throw and throws him on top of the coffee table. Um, "'A man who needs a cane to walk "'should know enough to refrain from such futile heroics. "'Don't you agree?' And he smashes him against the table and apparently knocks him out. Kevin is like...
1: You'd better run, mister. My daddy is friends with Thor.
0: Yes, I know, says the mongoose.
1: What do you want,
0: says Susan? Thor, and I am counting on you to send him to me. And we shift scenes and we're back in Asgard and back to the battle with Annihilus and all the guards. And this is going on. Uh, the Crimson Hawks, the personal elite guard of Odin, the All-High, grimly struggle against the unrelenting power of Annihilus! why do you fools attack me when you should be fleeing in total terror your efforts are doomed your lives forfeit for nothing can defeat the living death that walks fight on says the guard fight on let no harm befall our liege the enemy is upon us but we shall not fall back sell your lives dearly my crimson brothers For we are pledged in blood to die in the defense of Odin and Asgard. And there's a giant Bartu. We're back in Odin's office, uh, throne room slash thing. And the vizier is here along with Sif and, and Odin himself. And the vizier is thinking to himself, The sound of battle draws nigh. The crimson hawks have cordoned off the palace to protect our citizenry. But Odin has just fallen victim to another one of his terrible seizures. Time must be bought for him to regain his precious strength. Milady, the
1: old father is not well. He is weak, helpless, he says out loud. Say no more, vizier. My duty is clear. The lady Sif shall fight for the lord of
0: Asgard. And if need be, she shall die in his cause. And she's drawing her sword uh, to fight. And we see Annihilus has beaten all of the guards. And he is at the door of Odin's castle. And he says, Aha! The finest of Asgard have fallen before me because none can resist the invincible power of my cosmic control rod. Within mere seconds I will absorb the life force of the most powerful immortal of all. Odin will die and Annihilus shall triumph. There's a giant crack of boom and a big lightning and a voice uh, crying out, Nay, creature of evil. I say thee nay, and it, of course, is a Thor. None may threaten the Lord of Asgard whilst Thor lives, and he thwacks Annihilus back with his hammer, and he goes flying back, and he, he's shooting at, uh, at uh, Thor with his control rod, and there's a beam coming out, and he says, Ah, then the solution is quite simple. Thor must live no more. My cosmic control rod will put a quick end to your miserable, annoying existence. And Thor just deflects the beam pretty easily with Mjolnir. uh, It's getting split into two beams going off different directions. And um, Thor says, Though thy weapon is quite fearsome and worthy of grim respect, no power in the known universe can stand against the majestic mallet of the mighty Thor. Behold, it deflects thy mighty blast and shows thee that there be power beyond what you possess." And we shift scenes back to Earth. And the caption says, even as the determined thunder god continues his heated struggle back on the planet Earth, young Kevin Masterson battles a different kind of horror. And he's curled up on the couch. Um, There's a bunch of cops and wearing purple uniforms, which is very, very weird. I've never known New York City policemen to wear purple uniforms but they are purple and not blue because we have people wearing jeans as well, and they are blue. So anyway, the, the purple cops are hanging around in the apartment, and you hear the voices of the various cops talking, and Susan is on the couch with Kevin, and uh, different comments. Uh, Took him in broad daylight. Had some kind of crazy flying craft on the roof. Think Masterson's still alive? What does he want? Revenge or ransom? Probably find the body in a dumpster. I don't know of any connection. His own fault for getting chummy with a costumed Avenger like Thor. And Kevin uh, gets upset by this, and he he finally explodes.
1: Stop it! Stop wasting time! Mongoose has my dad, and everyone is talking about it, but no one is doing anything! And
0: uh, he goes running off to his room, and Susan's like,
1: Kevin, wait!
0: He runs to his, jumps on his bed, and he's like,
1: No, no, the cops can't help my dad! No one can, but Thor.
0: There's some really, really wonky anatomy going on in this panel, which is, yeah, I, I don't know if we'll talk about that later, but it is just weird. Like I said, kids are hard to draw. And uh, Kevin is uh, crying, and he's like,
1: But how can I reach him? How can I tell him my dad's in trouble? There's just got to be a way. What is it?
0: And uh, he's still clutching onto his little toy Thor hammer, and he doesn't notice that the hammer begins to shimmer and shine. For this hammer shares a special bond with the Thunder God's own enchanted mallet, a bond which unites all of those who may e'er have been privileged to wield such a weapon. Yeah, you remember uh, that happened a couple of issues ago where Thor and Kevin kind of tapped hammers, and it was just kind of that cute little moment. Kind of well, a little corny moment, but anyway, they tapped hammers. So apparently, that created some sort of a magical connection between Kevin and Thor, which is very convenient. But anyway, the toy hammer is glowing, and we shift scenes to Thor, where he's fighting Annihilus, and his hammer starts to glow, and Thor notices it, and he says. My hammer hath abruptly begun to glow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Nihilus says, You suddenly seem distracted, Thunder God. Another foe might think it sporting to allow you a moment's respite. Not a Nihilus. I live to destroy all who live, all who may one day covet my power. And there's a giant Kazakh, and Thor is thrown backwards. And uh, Baldur is standing there doing nothing, and, and Baldur says, My lord, thou art near collapse thou must fall back and rest thy battle weary limbs nay i cannot says thor and thor is thinking to himself there can only be one reason for my hammer's urgent summons i am desperately needed back on the planet earth and i cannot leave asgard whilst odin be still in jeopardy annihilus must fall thor says out loud and uh, continues on and fall he shall so swears the god of thunder, and he does a Thwakum as he smashes his hammer down the ground. does one of those uh, those Incredible Hulk sort of shockwave things, and um, Annihilus is struck by the shockwave, and he gets, uh, gets knocked down by it. And Annihilus swears that you shall be the one who dies, for none can survive a direct blast or my cosmic control rod. Do thy worst, monster, says and He's leaping forward. Thou shalt not find the son of Odin so fragile a target. And the two of them are fighting hand to hand now, and uh, Thor is bragging on himself, Swifter than the winds is his speed, mightier than the pounding storms are his fists. No, no, says Annihilus, I cannot allow you to defeat me. You must not rob me of my victory and my life. Cease fighting, says a voice. I see thee now. And Annihilus is like, Who dares order an ireless? And of course, it is Odin, and he, Sif, and the vizier are standing here. And Odin is kind of waving his hands around, and he's still dressed in his uh, fur suit, so we can't take a drink. And he says, "I am Odin, the living power and eternal judgment of Asgard incarnate." Sif is thinking to herself: The old father seems to have recovered from his momentary weakness. Tis merely a pose. Does he truly possess strength, enough to do what must be done? Stay thy hand, my son, says Odin, and he comes forward. Odin shall attend to this foul creature. But father, says Thor, and uh, he looks like he's still ready to fight, and Annihilus comes stepping forward. You should heed the thunder god, old man. You are foolishly walking toward death. All of Asgard is nothing compared to the power of Annihilus. Annihilus is the death that walks the living embodiment of doom. And he takes his cosmic control rod and he blasts Odin with it. Does not seem to be doing much. Uh, Just kind of the power is being absorbed by or is bouncing off of Odin.
1: Aye, and Odin
0: is the speaker of the word, the maker of the way, and the keeper of the flame. Truly thou art a foul, soulless thing of evil. To preserve thine own precious existence, thou wouldst deny others theirs. Thou wouldst kill and destroy to perpetuate thine own unending cycle of evil. Such is thy destiny, thy sole purpose, and the grand design. But to Odin, all life is a miracle of joy and wonder, a grand life to be revered, savored, and honored. Thus, even though I could obliterate thee with a thought, I shall merely send thee back, back to the Stygian wasteland whence thou came. And there's a giant barshoom and Annihilus just goes shooting off like a missile uh, through Kirby space, uh, negative zone space, really, and is gone, just like that. No, well, that was easy. <laughs> uh, then the Odin's like, the danger hath passed, the realm endures. And Thor is rushing up to him, noble father, Now that Asgard is safe, a most urgent request hath thy son. Whilst I know that thou wouldst wish Thor to remain here, I humbly ask for permission to return to planet Earth. What? Some inner sense warns me of a terrible threat to the mortal world, and I fear human lives may be in peril. And um, Odin obviously is angry about this, and he kind of turns and he looks at Sif. uh, Clearly the two of them had had this little heart to heart that we talked about a little bit earlier and uh, he kind of looks at Sif and he says, Then go thou must and take with thee a father's pride in his all-encompassing love. My son, now that Asgard has fallen to the negative zone, I fear that the pathway to the mortal plane may soon be blocked forevermore. However, I can imbue thy hammer with sufficient Odin power to bridge the barrier one final time. And now, though my heart doth at the very thought of it, I shall send thee on thy way, using the only path my strength permits. And uh, Thor just vanishes in a burst of light, and uh, Odin uh, gets weak again, and he kind of starts to fall down, and Baldur's there, and he grabs him. Sif uh, is like, Odin, the strain must have been too great for him. Aye, but what of Thor, says Baldur? What hath become of the god of thunder? And we shift scenes, and we are back on Earth. And not only were we back on Earth, we're back in New York City. And indeed, we are in the Baxter Building itself, home of the Fantastic Four. And what does the Fantastic Four have in their headquarters? Yes, indeed, a gateway to the negative zone. So anyway, uh, it says Four Freedoms Plaza, the world-famous headquarters of the Fantastic Four. An alarm starts to go off, and it's going wonk, wonk, wonk. And uh, Reed Richards says, look alive, people. That alarm means trouble. Somebody is trying to reach Earth from our entrance to the negative zone. The human torch is ready, Reed. And the human torch is there. And so are the she-thing and the invisible woman, says the she-thing, uh, being this weird era. Okay, so I can see that we have a coloring issue also here in in uh, this page where we have the Fantastic Four in undeniably purple costumes. So uh, the cop costumes earlier and the Fantastic Four costumes now are very much purple as opposed to the dark blue that they should be. Anyway, they end up at the uh, Negative Zone portal, and Ben Grimm is there not as the thing, but as the human uh, thing. The human, the human thing, yeah. the combination of the human torch and the thing, right. Uh, no, so he, Ben Grimm is there in, in um, human form. Sheesh, what a time for me to be stuck as plain old Ben Grimm. We could be facing anything from an invasion to the Zone's version of Girl Scout cookies. Look who it is, says, says Reed. I'll be a Yancey Streeter. What's he doing in there? Stand back so that I can open the portal and find out. And, of course, it is Thor, and he comes striding out in truly Thor majestic fashion, and he says, The son of Odin bids ye greetings. And uh, Johnny's like, I'll say one thing for you, Goldilocks. You make a dramatic entrance. And uh, he doesn't waste any time visiting with the FF. He, He basically is whipping his hammer around and getting ready to take off. And Reed is like, what's going on, Thor? What were you doing in the negative zone? Tis a stirring tale which must be saved for another day, Reed Richards. The god of thunder is desperately needed elsewhere. And I cannot tarry while duty calls. And he goes flying off. And uh, that's the last we see of the Fantastic Four in this issue. And he's taking off uh, from the building, and he's uh, thinking to himself, the gap-twixt Asgard and Earth must be far greater than ever imagined if the All-Father needed the aid of the Fantastic Four. And we shift back to uh, the uh, Masterson home, uh, where Susan is comforting Kevin, and Kevin has taken his helmet off. She's kind of cuddling him and uh, trying to get him to relax. And she's like, relax, Kevin, try to get some sleep. I promise to wake you if I hear anything from the police. And Kevin is like,
1: no, gotta stay awake. Gotta wait for him. He'll save my dad. He'll help us.
0: And she's like, who, Kevin? Who are you? Oh my gosh. And a door comes flying in through a a screen door. Doesn't break it, so it must have been open.
1: It's him. "'It's Thor,'
0: says Kevin, and he rushes up and and, uh, is giving uh, Thor a big hug. "'I
1: knew you'd come. I knew we could count on you.'
0: "'What is it, Kevin?' says Thor. "'What troubles thee?' "'Haven't you heard the news?' says Susan. "'The boy's father, Eric, was kidnapped this afternoon. "'Some maniac by the name of Mongoose did it, and he left a message for you. "'It's only one word, but he said you'd know what it means.' "'What is it?' says Thor. "'Wondagore.' And we had a next issue blurb. Next issue, the Thunder God battles the new Knights of Wondegore and embarks on a mind-staggering quest to learn whatever happened to Hercules in the High Evolutionary. Plus an all-new Tales of Asgard. All right. So that is uh, the first story here in The Mighty Thor number 405. And rather than do what we did last time and just go into our Tales of Asgard, we are going to take a little break for a message from one of our friends.
1: I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert! Shields up! What shields? You sparkling Starfleet officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrett. Plain, simple, yeah. yeah. Dex, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will sure become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And to start with it, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, at Benji. Listen to the Prophets. Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. Bloody hell. Oh, I love a woman in uniform. Only on 2 true
0: and we're back and without any further ado we're going to go ahead and cover this four page tales into Asgard story continuing on from last time if you can recall the Warriors 3 and Thor are searching for Ulag the enchanter in the land of always night and uh, we have um, credits here just uh, very quickly this is written by Tom DeFalco illustrated by Tony DeZuniga lettered by Michael Heisler colored by Michael Rockwitz and edited by Ralph Macchio, and the title of the story is called, This Lethal Land, and uh, we have Thor pointing at the ceiling, and uh, there's some sort of beam of light shining down from above, and uh, a voice coming out from above, flee this dismal land, or your lives are surely forfeit, and Thor says, we cannot leave until we have completed our mission. Odin, our all-powerful liege, has ordered Ulag to perform the sacred service that he pledged to do. Silence, you arrogant cur! Ulag is the master of his own fate, and heeds not the commands of an old senile fool like Odin. None may insult the All-Father without answering to the mace of Hogan the Grim, and the flashing sword of Thundral the Dashing. The Lion of Asgard, Volstag the Vainglorious, also roars to the defense of his lord. Restrain thyselves, my friend, says Thor. We are here to enlist Ulag's aid, not to battle him. Aye, but methinks this sly wizard may be difficult to convince, and he may employ base sorcery against us. If tis so, I would retrace our steps. To guard against a rear attack, says Fandral? My very thought, says Bullstog, and he goes running off. And, uh the giant hands burst up out of the ground and some like roots or vines or I guess they look like roots and uh, they come to attack the, uh, the warriors too and, and Thor and Fandral uh, says Volstagg retreated just in time aye and the trees and ground now leap towards us says Hogan tis obvious the duog's enchantments are elemental in nature and give them the power to bend the living earth to his will Rather would I trade steel with a thousand warriors than the serpentine vine which seeks to crush me. Oh, okay, so we have vines and roots, uh, so that's interesting. "'Have faith, noble warrior,' says Thor. "'Courage and perseverance will yet win this day.'" Um, what's interesting is that the, these vines and rocks and these hands coming up from out of the ground, they don't seem to be that much of a threat. I mean, they, they seem to be dispatching these things pretty easily. But anyway, uh, one of the hands finally grabs Thor and starts to squeeze him, and Thor's like, Ugh, "'A fist of living earth does grasp me "'with a strength beyond comprehension.'" "'Fight on, son of Odin,' says Hogan. "'Fight on.'" Lest we all perish in this hated land. Have no fear, my friend. Though the thunder god may falter, he will not fall. And uh, he takes his hammer and he smashes this big old hand. And um, the hand only has three fingers. Did the hand always just have three fingers? No, the hand has five fingers on other pages. So yes, this is a a mistake. Anyway, uh, so he's smashing the hand. And actually, some of the fingers are getting smashed off now. So anyway, uh, it says, My enchanted hammer strikes true for honor, for justice, for Asgard. And we uh, shift slightly to uh, Volstagg, who is bringing up the rear, uh, making sure that, of course, no one's following them, because that's kind of what Volstagg does. And he's thinking to himself um, in his head, whilst my noble companions distract our wizardous foe with a frontal assault, Volstagg hath taken a much more subtle approach, one worthy of a master strategist. Heedless of the terrible risks, I have surreptitiously circled behind the ever-elusive Ulag, And now, with the speed and agility of a striking tiger, I shall pounce upon yon suspecting. And Ulag um, uh, doesn't even turn around, and he says, Be silent, thou clumsy oaf. I cannot concentrate on my conjuring with thy infernal racket echoing in my ears. I know not to whom thou speak. "'Surely it cannot be to Vorstag who moves with the grace and silence of a living shadow. "'Art thou mad? Thy footsteps are as light as falling anvils, "'thy presence as unobtrusive as an army of drunken trolls. "'More impressive girth is not without its minor failings, "'but it also bears a thousand scars gained in the service of Asgard.' I and I shall gift thee with a thousand more for entering the unconquerable domain of Ulag, the Grand Enchanter. Be not hasty, wizard. It is most unseemly for a warrior of my noble proportions to challenge one so frail and aged. Mayhap I should seek another champion to battle thee, one slighter of build, weaker of limb. And we shift back to uh, Thor and the other two warriors and... Um, Thor's uh, bashing apart the branches and rocks and things with his hammer. Ulag may be the master of the living earth, but still is Thor, the god of thunder and the lord of the storm. And my power shall not be denied. Thou hast done it, my prince, says Hogun. Aye, the grasping vines and earthen fists recede before thy unrelenting fury. This is not my work, says Thor. Then whose, says Hogun? Ha! "'The answer is most obvious, my friends. "'Once again, the Lion of Asgard has won the day.'" And we see that uh, Volstagg has sat on (laughs) Ulag and is holding him down, and he's like in a hole or something. But anyway, and uh, Ulag is like, "'Help me! "'This clumsy mass of blubber tripped "'while attempting to flee and fell upon me!' "'Not so. "'Twas only a clever ploy to entrap thee.'" "'Well done, an enormous one,' says Thor." Thou hast triumphed where all others have failed. With the grand enchanter in hand, we can now continue our sacred quest and journey to a desolate, ravaged world where nothing lives. Next issue, Let There Be Life. And that was the Tales of Asgard backup. And uh, we'll be talking about this issue right now because we've already done our little plug for this time. All right, so uh, I'm going to talk about the Tales of Asgard backup first. First of all, I like the story much, much better this time. It, it made a lot more sense. Uh, it, you know, It's more linear as, as far as what we're doing. We, we definitely seem to have a, a through line here. Things are happening for a reason. It makes sense, uh, and it's uh, reasonably well drawn at that. I still can't say I'm real convinced by Tony DeZuniga's art, but some of this looks very good indeed. We're seeing here that he's getting away a little bit from his uh, John Buscema look, even though he owes a lot of his look to John Buscema even now. Um, everybody looks a lot better than they did. There are still almost no backgrounds at all. Um, and even the you know the vines and the... Hands and stuff that they 've been fighting have all been very narrowly pictured, so we don 't really see any kind of background or setting or anything. We uh, have one panel at the very end here where we can kind of see we 're in a a rocky, deserty kind of place with little hillocks and uh, little arches and yeah kind of almost like dr strangey kind of of space. We have uh, a lot of um, Kind of cool work, on pencil work on the vines slash roots. Uh, you know, there's, there's some good stuff going on here art-wise where it didn't really come across before in our super scientific clean bar that didn't look like a bar last time. We actually have some interesting stuff going on here. And this again, this is very much in more the, the Filipino comic style, which is more ornate... Um, there There is definitely uh, something about the the artwork here, and uh it, it actually is almost intriguing um you know some of the layout stuff that is happening here. I understand that uh you know from other people that uh, Tony de actually did a lot of comics kind of on his own, but they weren 't superhero comics and and so th- we 're getting the sense here that it, maybe the superhero comic really isn 't the Zuniga's thing, maybe, well, not even really as an inker, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, but the fantasy thing is kind of better. You know, it's better than what we had last issue anyway. And the, he has a very different type of storytelling than the American artists who were much more influenced by Kirby and, and Busema and, and others. So, uh, so, yeah, I will say you know, it, it's a better chapter of the story than it was last time. We'll see what happens as we go forward. I still am not crazy about how he draws Thor because he, he's doing this. Uh, the body looks great, actually. I think, think uh, he has a pretty good grasp on Thor's body. But the face, very, very derivative of a uh, B. Sema. And uh, he doesn't need to do that. We can see these, the other characters kind of have their own individual looks. And Thor is kind of the only one who doesn't. So anyway, uh, so I, I've talked more about the story than it really deserves, to be honest, uh, being a four-page story. All right, so the main story, um, it's an interesting solution. Again, we have a literal deus ex machina ending. Oh, uh, well, yeah, Odin will just take care of it in the end. Boom, he's gone. Annihilus is, is gone back off. Now, keep in mind, Annihilus is not very far can't be very far because we're in the negative zone. The negative zone—I mean, it may be a relatively big place, but it is. Uh, I think that uh, we've established it's kind of an enclosed place, and there's a you know like a swirling black hole in the middle of it, and it draws everything into it. I suspect that this is going to be an upcoming threat and a future issue. So Annihilus can be there, but he's never going to be all that far away, even if he's far away in the negative zone. The negative zone itself is not as big as regular space, so yeah. Um, so we have an ending, but it's not a real, real ending. The artwork really nice to look at. I think Ron Friends is back to doing full layouts now, or at least doing uh, you know full pencils. We've got Sinet doing inks. Uh, you know, of course, everything looks nice. We've got a lot of nice brushwork here. Uh, I, I kind of like Odin's fur Eskimo suit that he's wearing, and his Granny Goodness hair, which is uh, is not really his hair. It's it's the like the the hood of the uh, the, the fur suit that he's wearing. Um, yeah, but he definitely has a kind of a Granny Goodness look about him in this in this issue. He'd be Grandpa Goodness, I guess, uh, if he were uh, of, of that uh, universe. But uh, it, it's weird because it, it's kind of it looks like a fat version of High Father from the New Gods. And I don't know if that's what they were going for, but it is interesting nonetheless. Um, I like Annihilus as a character. He's a character that I've had some fondness for for a long time. I think one of the first comics that I ever owned, um, not maybe not one of the first, but when I first started collecting, I was buying these giant-sized comics that reprinted older Marvel Comics issues. This would have been the summer of 75 and the giant-sized Fantastic Four comic that, that I first bought was retelling this initial confrontation with Annihilus. So I do have kind of a, a soft spot for Annihilus. Yeah, him as a Thor villain, I don't know that that really works as well as, as it might. But Annihilus is one of those characters who, at this point in Marvel's history, just doesn't have a lot of personality, doesn't have a lot of motivation. He's just kind of a pure you know, creature of evil, Anyway, uh, so I don't have a lot else to talk about about the issue. I liked it. Uh, We'll continue on uh, next issue, kind of see what's going on. And then I think once we kind of wrap up the uh, Mongoose storyline, we will uh, move on to something different. All right. Uh, And with that, it's time to wrap up the show for this week thanks again folks for listening we really do appreciate it and if you want to email us you can do so our email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com you can also join us on the facebook just look for radio free asgard there and you will find us and with that i am back over the rainbow bridge back to midgard and we'll see you next time here on radio free asgard Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.